that's when I was like, okay, I'm in my zone of excellence. I want to be in my zone of genius. Otherwise, I'm going to look back and I'm going to say to myself, I wish I had given my gift, but I'm not giving it. Are you ready to reclaim your life from exhaustion and expand the possibilities of what life can be? If so, I'm your guide, Evelyn Pachiti, work-life geek and engineer-turned-resiliency coach on a mission to redefine how we work, live, and utilize our energy. Each episode, I dig deep with my guests as they share their stories, spark, and strategies for developing our own unique work-life blend. This is Engineering Serenity. Episode 2, Cultivating Calm in STEM with Lennis Perez. Okay, let's do it. What is your name? My name is Lennis. What industry do you work in? I currently work in the wellness industry, very niche and focus on professionals in STEM because my background is in engineering and I just know this is something I'm super passionate about and it allows me to kind of play with my multi-passionate nature. And you will call it wellness, public speaking. The wellness is an umbrella in terms of industry. And then I've been doing workshops, public speaking, coaching, one-on-one, group coaching, like so many different things underneath it. It's a lot of fun. And you said that you have a very specific niche. Is your niche women in STEM or do you niche in other sort of areas of wellness? So it's like multi-layers and I love that question. So there's a niche in the audience and then there's a niche in terms of what I bring to the table, right? So I, because my background is in engineering, I understand how left brain humans really navigate through life, right? The analytical part, the, I need the data, I need the science, don't throw woo-woo stuff at me because I'm just not going to do it, period. So yes, I love working with women in STEM. When it comes to doing workshops, um, especially for organizations, it will be for their engineering team, which as we know, there's um, quite a men in the group as well. But some of the things that I talk about are relevant for them as well. Now, within that, as I said, there's like multi-layers, so that's the audience. But what I really hone into is Mostly the mental well-being, how to prioritize yourself, how to create self-care routines that are um, more sustainable for you as an individual, what resonates for you. It's not a cookie cutter like, oh, you just need to eat healthy or you just need to sleep better or you just need to, you know, sit down, be quiet and meditate. It's just let me guide you so you finally listen to the wisdom that's within you. And from there, we start to build those strategies. We start to build that toolkit that it's going to help you. And in the toolkit, I mean, I've done a lot of different things. <laughs> but that kind of a breadth of experience sounds like a good place to work from. So, yes, exactly. It's just, it, it gives more support, right? It's not just like, oh, this is the only thing that I do and that's it. I don't like to lock myself in those places. At the same time, I also recognize when it's time to recommend to go to somebody else who specializes in something very specific, right? It's, it's recognizing my own talents and strengths. And if you need something else, I'm going to tell you, hey, 
go try this, talk to such and such. This is going to be the person that's going to help you. And that's part of the beauty of being in this industry is just creating a network as well. Yeah, I can recognize that a lot. Mm -hmm. Do you like your career? I love my career right now. I really do. <laughs> but you can hear that right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to ask. Yes. Yeah, I found my balance with being a left brain thinker and allowing the creativity to flourish and allowing that other side of me that's more into the mystic and the things that you can only understand by experiencing it. So... That's a good way to, that's a good way to summarize the other aspects of that. Yes. <laughs> and is this something that like you just found like right now? So when you started it and you, as you've transitioned, you found that balance and that peace that you really are enjoying it? Yeah, it's been a journey. I mean, I started dabbling in entrepreneurship in the wellness space, I will say 2015, 2016. And that was just from coming out of some really dark side, hit the bottom in my life kind of feeling. And I started with my body. So I started being curious, very left brain, started looking at food, nutrition, how that impacts the body. Then uh, from there, like I got certified in plant-based nutrition. So I was trying to teach people. I actually started by teaching people how to cook Latin American food in a healthy way, because okay. I'm from I'm from Venezuela. So I was like, you can still eat the plantains. You just don't have to fry them. You can make them in the oven. You can still eat the beans. You just don't have to add the chorizo. You can like, you know, make the seasoning still taste good, but replace certain ingredients that may not be the best for your body, either for inflammation or because it's been proven that it's a carcinogenic. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, by the way. <laughs> This may cause cancer, but we still put it in all the different foods. But so I started with that. And then what I recognized is the type of clients I was attracting, they wanted a, a diet regime. And it's like, mm -hmm. no, it's all about listening to your body. Like I cannot, I can give you guidance, but your body is the one that's going to tell you if it likes this food or it doesn't like this food. Because we also have different genetics, different DNAs, different sensitivities, right? And we live in different parts of the world. So I was like, ah, I don't think I want to do this. So then I pivoted more broad to, okay, what are the foundational aspects of wellness? So then it's, it's talking about relationships. It's talking about food. It's talking about um, sleep. It's, it's like I call it the four pillars of well-being. I think that's that's what I had call it for. Um, and, and also like your relationship with yourself, your relationship with others, exercising. And I started doubling on that. And then people got very confused. They're like, what is exactly that you're doing? Wellness. Okay, that's too broad. <laughs> so then COVID hit and I said, okay. I have some time to reflect and really understand what's going on. Because at that point, I mean, I had hired marketing coaches. I had hired business coaches. I had hired the whole gamut of things. I mean, I have been in therapy before I even started the business, like all these different things that I had done for myself. And it just didn't seem to stick. 
until I finally had the realization after getting certified as a meditation instructor, finally got to shut the world outside and go within and had the realization of none of this is sticking, none of their techniques, none of their strategies are really working for you or whatever they promise you are really working, not because there's something wrong with you, but because you're not listening mm. to your own most authentic self, right? You're trying to do something that worked for somebody else on the outside. They have a set of beliefs, personality, talents that are different to yours. And that's why when you talk about what I do now, I guide you to go within because ultimately that is the wisest person in the world. That is mm -hmm. the best coach that you can ever hire is the one that's talking to you inside of you. What a journey. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really nice. It's nice to hear people's journey, especially like when starting their own business and finding careers that, that they love to, to have that realization that it's not an overnight thing. You go from a moment mm -hmm. where you're like, I'm stepping into this career in wellness and this is what I want to do. And I have a fire and a passion for it. You know, right. It, it doesn't mean that it automatically is the career that you love. There is this trajectory. There is this process of learning about yourself and where you fit in and listening to yourself instead of the outside. And in your case, it's, it's 2023 now and the, your journey started in 2015. So like it's a multi-year arc that yeah. There's also that space and that permission that it's okay that it doesn't happen automatically when you're moving into things that you love. Yeah, absolutely. And the recognition of the fallacy that's out there that, yes, you do have some people that make it in a year and quote unquote make it, right? What is your definition of making it? If your yeah. definition of making it is gathering 100,000 followers or whatever social media platform, and that's what really satisfies you, go you. Like, that's awesome. But for the most part, the, the people that are doing transformative works, the ones that I follow that are doing real, deep, transformative, impactful, change the world kind of work, it's taken them years, at least five, six years to get to a point where they get the external, more external bigger picture recognition. But they've been impacting one person at a time for all these different years. And just it just gets to a point where the, I guess the pebble that you throw into the lake is just the ripple effects are much bigger. So where do you want to see your impact in the future? Oh, I want to see my fellow women in STEM stop being burned out and finally feel happy and fulfilled. Like it's just, that's, yes, <laughs> this real passion because I've been in their shoes. I've been there trying, doing everything right, quote unquote. Again, the external pressures, being completely depleted, feeling like I'm in the hamster wheel and then experiencing through a multi-year process, through a working with different people, then finally experiences this place of just, I'm not going to tell you that it's constant happiness, but it's building up more trust and joy and knowing what to do when there's a lot of storms going on in my head, right? When there's a lack of energy, when there's a, I'm doing this, but I didn't take a step back to think, why am I doing this? 
And what is it leading to? So allowing myself to have those spaces and helping women recognize it's okay for you to not do all the time. You, whatever you've done in the past is building up. Let it simmer. Let it just kind of grow into whatever it's meant to be. But we're constantly pushing and we're constantly thinking about the next thing. Or we're drowning on, I took on too much. I'm overwhelmed. Holy crap. What am I going to do? And it's just, yeah, I'm just, that's my passion right now. It's helping, helping those who are open to changing their lives recognize that there is another way. Yeah. And there definitely is. So can you share a bit of your experience of going from that sort of, because were you enjoying your engineering career when you left? No, I was not. Um, There's a book that I read. It's called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. The gist of it is your different zones. For example, I, my zone of incompetence is trying to be someone that is going to repair cars. I could learn how to do it, but I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm probably not going to be good at it. And it's just not going to make me feel happy. So that's your zone of incompetence, something that you're just simply not going to be good at. Then you have your zone of competence, which is something that you can do, but doesn't necessarily bring you joy. But you get some competence on doing it. Your zone of excellence which is where you actually do really great work and you can thrive in that space. And then there's your zone of genius, which is your gift. It's just yours. It's the the one thing that you bring to this earth. Like that's the only way I can explain it. Engineering for me was my zone of excellence. I grasped the concepts quickly. I was able to do it well. I was able to thrive in the environment. But it wasn't my gift. Hmm. So no matter what levels I got to and what I was seeking at the point when I left engineering, I was a manager for the North and South America market for a German company. Like to me, that was like, holy crap, I've made it. And I made and I got this position at 34 years old. I was the only woman in the team that was at that management level. I was the only Latina in the team. So I was like so proud by making it there. You ticked all the boxes. You were in the room where it happened. Exactly. You made the impact. You had broken the ceilings. You were there. Yeah. And I was using my talent. I speak Spanish. I have a great way of building relationships with people. But I just wasn't fulfilled. Hmm. And it's like, oh, okay. So I'm waking up every day. I'm spending 40 hours of my precious time that I will never get back working on something that I'm good at, that I'm seeing positive results. I was bringing in business. We were closing million, $2 million uh, projects that they hadn't done. That's one of the reasons why they created this position. So I was meeting the expectations, but I wasn't feeling fulfilled. And it was just like, okay, this is what COVID hit. This is when I got my certification in uh, meditation as a meditation teacher, when I really 
hone into my meditation practice because um, I have been meditating since 2017 consistently every day, but this is a different type of meditation that I learned. It's a different way to connect with yourselves. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm in my zone of excellence. I want to be in my zone of genius. Otherwise, I'm going to look back and I'm going to say to myself, I wish I had given my gifts, but I'm not giving it. Yeah. Hmm. I'm just letting that settle. It's so brave. Mm -hmm. You were saying that you were still in that position when COVID struck, yet you said mm -hmm. that you were also already working in the mm -hmm. wellness business already. So you were doing the side hustle while doing your engineering at the same time. So you were already starting to, to feed that other interest while still doing the engineering. And yet at the same time, you had this moment where you're like, I want bring my genius to the world. I want to give the gift. Was that just that clarity, the thing that caused you to transition from engineering into doing this work full time? No, um, I denied it. Like you said, it takes courage. You have to be brave. I deny myself going through this experience because it's scary. It goes against anything. Everything. Everything we are trained to do, everything we're supposed to represents expectations, definition of success. Like it goes against everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just, it was really hard for me. My dad was like, you're doing what? Like, you're just, uh, what? Like, what are you doing? Like, he's, he's also an engineer. And, and my brother will also be like, huh? are you sure this is what you want to do? Why don't you give it a couple more years? Why don't you really build? what you're trying to build. And I was like, I just, I, I can't, I can't anymore. But that, I'm going to give you the picture right before this picture. I have this incredible title of I'm the manager bringing business for the North and South America hubs or whatever they call it, areas. And I'm traveling. I went to Germany, spent two weeks in Germany. I was in Brazil, in Argentina, I was traveling and I thought that's what I really wanted to do, right? I thought I wanted a job that allowed me to meet people and travel and, you know, really excel in those skills. And I will find myself getting a little bit bored here and there. And then I had connected with someone um, from my previous job. She had her own, she's also an engineer. She had her own company on very technical marketing. And they work with um, mostly pharma. So I ended up taking a freelance job while working full time, while running my business, yeah. because I was inside so freaking scared of just dropping it all. So I just kept saying, no, I just need to pile more on. I just need to take on other things that will just, you know, put in, kind of occupies the spaces where I'm bored. And then on top of that, I'm, I'm a caregiver at this point because my dad had gotten sick in 2017. I brought him to the U.S. And then it's like doctor's appointments, hospital visits. So I have at this point four jobs. I'm looking at myself and I'm like, okay, so I'm a caregiver. I have my full-time job, I have a freelance job, and I'm trying to run my business. And this is my numbing mechanism 
there's another book I'm going to drop here, but it's um, Brene Brown's The Gifts of Imperfection. And at the beginning, she talks about how we just numb by doing, by getting busy, by not looking at the problem, by just like getting into this, the solving mode, by, by just like putting stuff on your plate. And it's just saying yes and building more and building more. And I was numbing and I recognized it. I was like, okay, you're doing all these things out of which none of them are bringing you true joy. None of them you like finished a project and you feel so proud of yourself, right? It's just like, oh, you feel good. Okay, next. What's next, right? Um, so that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to have to start dropping things. Obviously, I cannot drop the caregiving, but this is when I moved to Texas because I said, okay, I'm still going to help my dad, but I need family support. And now in Texas, we're closer to family. So at least on weekends, he can stay at my brother's for a full week. It's a little bit different than taking it all on my own. We moved to Texas. I spoke with uh, this other organization that I was doing freelance. And I said, listen, um, thank you for the opportunity. I learned a lot, but this is not my passion. And she was so proud. She said, wow, like, I wish I was that brave at your age. She loves what she does now, but she was an engineer who had her job, who had the titles, who had the thing. And it took a lot of courage for her to purchase a technical marketing company and just bring it up from the ground up, um, rebuild it again. So she said, I get it. I know that when you're not working on your, like something that you're really passionate about, it's just doesn't feel right. So I dropped that. And now I had the other two things, right? My passion, the wellness, what am I going to do with this exactly? Um, and my full-time job. And then the more I read, the more I meditate, the more I sat in silence, the more I reflected, the more space I gave myself to be bored, to not be constantly doing, the more I realized my time is the only non-renewable resource here. My time is the only thing I will never be able to get back. And with that comes the energy that I'm also spending. That was the transition from a very full plate of zones of excellence, different tasks, things, to a very lean plate. Where after I quit my job, I took three months off. I forced myself to dabble into a little bit of life business, but not really go in deep. I just allowed that space because I knew I needed a reset. I needed to reevaluate um, where did I wanted to take it. And that's pretty much where I went back into my own story. And I said, I wish... I had someone like me when I was going through my worst experience uh, with burnout in engineering as a woman in STEM. I didn't have any role models. I had to really look outside for those. So that's the journey to where I'm at right now. <laughs> Showing up as a role model, what are you sharing with women in those worst moments of burnout in your STEM career? The first thing is 
you're not alone. And it feels so isolated when you're burned out because of the facade that many others have built in the industry. That women can have it all. You can do it all. You can be a great mother. You can be a great caregiver. You can be a great engineer. And think about what that says is you can be a great giving. Who's given to you? Are you good at receiving? Right? And it's just one of the biggest thing is it's the courage to live. Maybe engineering is your zone of genius, but maybe the place that you're at is toxic. And your gifts can be shared somewhere else. And we know in for women more than anyone in the STEM field, we do go through a lot of toxic places, microaggressions. Um, you know, someone asked me recently, like, how do you deal with the bro culture? And I'm like, you don't deal with the bro culture. You just don't. Like, if it's not aligned with who you are, if you're trying to constantly fit in, you are going to end up so depleted. So when you're burnt out, it's pretty much your mind and your body telling you, you need to make different choices. Now, where do you even start with those choices, right? Right. And that's why I like the whole part of, let's go back to basics. How are you sleeping? How are you, are you taking care of your body? What does your routine look like? And I love doing this because I've done it with myself where I build a spreadsheet and I look at every 30 minute increments. What does my day look like? Where is the time where I'm doing something that's fueling my inner joy? Where do I do something that I'm really happy about? When am I fitting something in my day or in my week where I'm extremely joyful, lost in the present moment, really zen, really calm, really whatever, right? Whatever energizes you. I had nothing. The women that are burned out, they have nothing. And then we push ourselves to hit the gym because that's going to solve our burnout problem. (laughs) One of my favorite statements is that we do not need the guilt of self-care on our to-do list. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's what the conversation has become. That it's not a conversation about how are we working or how are we showing up, but it's that we're not doing those additional things It's adding more to the list in terms of expectation of what you're supposed to show up and how you're supposed to do rather than having a conversation about the environments and the routines. Yeah. And the habits. What are your habits? What worked for you 10 years ago that you just for some reason let go and replace it with something else that drains you instead of fill your cup? The guilt. I hear that word often. So often. And I feel it too. Even guilt when you sit down to doom scroll. It's like, why am I doing this? Or when you sit down to watch Netflix or whatever it is, right? It's like, when did you stop? I mean, your brain also needs a break, but the guilt is is there. The gremlins are talking, right? Yeah, all the time. And I should be doing something better when my brain needs to rest. I can add Mm -hmm. other value. I can do something creative. Right. (laughs) 
I don't know if it was the same in your experience, but I found that really when I was at the bottom and I was really, really tired and I was really struggling just to start to replenish, taking the time and giving myself permission to just turn off in whatever that way was actually enabled me to do the other aspects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you said, taking the time yeah. without thinking about is this right or is this wrong without the labels. And I think that's the hardest part. We live so much in our brains that that's one of the hardest thing. It's just we are labeled. We're constantly judging. We're constantly setting expectations. Just take the time and be curious. I, that's what I said. Just enter curiosity. Allow curiosity to be a part of this. And then you can bring the brain to evaluate. But first, just let curiosity come in. At least allow yourself to have that. That's a good place. I was about to ask, what is the one place that you would start if you're really struggling? Most of the women, the first session is just their venting session. And it's literally a brain dump that they just do. They just go to a hundred different places because they've been so filled up for so long. It's like I have someone that understands me that I can just explain everything that has been going on. Because for a lot of them, their partners, no matter how supportive they've been, they still feel like he doesn't have a full understanding of my experience. And it is true, right? You're a therapist. They're trained. They have a lot of knowledge, but they also haven't been in your shoes as a woman in STEM. And I think that's why I attract a lot of women because they're like, you get it. And I'm like, yeah, I do. (laughs) I've been there. I know how it works. I know regardless of how big or small the organization is, the experiences are so similar, right? So pretty much the first session is a complete brain dump of everything that has been going on for them, where they're at. And that's where I start to ask certain questions, right? Whatever I see that their brain is more focused on or whatever I see recognizing patterns, that's where I guide them to bring back to that specific area because if it keeps coming up in our conversation, that's where it needs to shift some attention to that specific thing. And that's when we get curious. Through questions, through conversations, through exercises, It's just helping them. It's like, okay, you keep coming back to this situation or you keep coming back to this experience or you keep coming back to this desire. Let's go there, right? It's already there. It's just when we have the screen right up here in front of our eyes, (laughs) we don't see it. I see it because I'm on the outside. Yes. So you're giving me the clues to help you bring you to where you'll want to go where you cannot see it yet. And it's just helping them from that point. Awesome. (laughs) Well, if people wanted to learn more about you or how to work with you, where is the best place for them to find you? I'm um, constantly hanging on LinkedIn. So if you send me a DM on LinkedIn, we'll just can have a conversation and get to know each other. I think that's one of the first things that I like to do. Whether you're just curious about my work, 
or whether you know you need some help. I'm a human. That's what I tell people. I'm not all this post and all this information that I share and all this self-reflection things that I'm, I'm trying to put out there. I'm a human being too. I also need to go back and take those times and spaces and work on my muscle of taking care of myself and letting go of guilt because guilt still comes up. So I'm a human. I just maybe a couple of steps ahead of you. So just DM me on LinkedIn, connect on LinkedIn, and I'll be more than happy to chat with you and see where you're at. Yeah, just easy to reach out. Amazing. So as we wrap up today's conversation, I want to ask you the same five questions that I ask all of my guests. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. What is your definition of wellness? Inner peace. What does inner peace mean to you? Inner peace means that there's a level of self-awareness when you let the chatter just be there and not disturb you, where you're not reactive, when you know what you need and you ask for it. And I think that's another lesson that I really had to learn is just, I need to go lock myself in the spare room for an hour. I need to go outside and walk and express that. I need to not cook dinner tonight. Either can you take it over or can we order out, right? It's just, that's inner peace to me. It's just being at peace with whatever I need and being able to ask for it from a place of, calmness and not from a reactive kind of like holy crap the world is falling around and it's like okay that's just the mind creating its own stories what's the story that's yeah that's wellness for me it's just it starts in the mind and it trickles out to everything else in your life yeah that makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense thinking about it that way yeah i can see that yeah <laughs> what's your favorite method to recharge during the workday? I'm depending on where I am in my cycle. So I work a lot with my hormonal cycle and I help my clients also hone into their own hormonal cycle because it just really impacts everything. So if I'm in my, you know, end of my cycle towards getting my menstruation or period naps, taking naps, I allow myself to take naps throughout the day. Um, five minutes, 10 minutes, sometimes it becomes an hour and I don't judge myself for it. I don't feel guilty. It's like, okay, I'm giving my body what it needs. When I'm in like the early parts of the cycle and ovulation where you have the most energy, the peak energy is either going out for a walk or doing uh, pranayama, which is breathing exercises. So I'll work and then I'll take five minute breaks. So I, I tend to use the Pomodoro technique, which is a 25 minute focus work, five minute break, then 25 minutes again, then five minute break. During those five minute breaks, if I'm not doing pranayama or the breathing technique, I, if I'm in, especially around the ovulation phase, I just love dancing. So I will just put on some fun music and just start jumping around like one of my favorite songs and just like start jumping around. And then it's like, okay, I'm energized. Let me go work again. But yeah, those are my go-to is just breathing, walking, 
dancing and napping. <laughs> it's just dependent on my cycle and my energy. It's so interesting that how you rest is dependent on where you are with your cycle, because that makes sense that it goes with what you need in terms of energy levels and things like that. Yep. Yeah. I've heard a lot about designing your work based on your cycles, but thinking also about how you're taking breaks and recharging. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so important. It's so important. And it makes a huge difference because, yeah, resting or taking a break, people tend to have a very narrow vision of what that means. Oh, if I'm resting or I'm taking a break, that means I'm either sitting on the couch or just closing my eyes or that putting a hand on my heart and a hand on my belly, whatever it is that they've seen or they've learned. And it's like, yeah, sometimes you feel restless. Why? Because you're ovulating. And that's the time where you really want to be jumping up and down and be dancing to a song. And that's how you take a break around those times. So, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. If you could master one skill instantly, what would it be? Mind reading. <laughs> Any specific reasons you want to read minds? <laughs> many reasons. There are many reasons. I can say, um, one, because I'm super curious about how other people's brains work and oh, like the inside and I, with whatever is going on in there. So reading their minds will be really cool. The other one is to see how they process whatever I tell them. Because one thing in communication, right, it's two parties are involved. And one thing is what you are processing in your brain and what you're putting into words and what you're spewing out. And it's a whole different experience for the one that's receiving and listening it. And I know this from even my own inner family dynamics is when I say something, I have to check back with certain people and in a very kind way be like, oh, yeah, so. You remember what I told you about this? Like, what did I tell you? And then when they tell me what they received, it's like, that was not what I meant to say. <laughs> they interpreted this a completely different way. So yeah, that's why I think my reading will be fun. So then I'll be like, okay, I can be more tuned into what they are receiving so I can express myself better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are you geeking out about right now? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I love personality quizzes. I take all of them whenever I have the opportunity to. So I recently took two personality tests that I'm geeking out on because I always am curious about my own footprint, right? My own yeah. inner thing. So I took the... Strength Finder one. Mm -hmm. So I'm really like digging into the depth of what each one means. And then I did a human design oh. one. And that one is just blowing my mind right now. I'm like, I'm ready. I need to book a session with someone that's um, very experienced with human design because the surface stuff that I've learned, it's like, <sighs> and especially at 40. 41, whenever this comes out, <laughs> I'm looking back on my life and it's like, holy moly, this makes so much sense. Yes, that's exactly what happened at the beginning of my journey. And this is where I'm at right now. And one of the things that I love is any personality quiz, anything that I find when they give you examples of more public figures, 
that fit into those patterns. I always love it because I'm usually like either Barack Obama, it's uh, someone that fits some of my talents. And I'm like, that's really cool. He's a very smart guy. Or Oprah Winfrey. And I'm like, that's amazing. I want to be like, I don't want to be like Oprah. A lot of respect for Oprah, but that's setting expectations really high. Just to give you a little bit of a story of how all of this works in my own brain and, and setting high standards. Personality tests give you a guidance, a footprint, kind of like a role, right? They're not mm -hmm. the be all of who you are. But when I was going into my transition of, and I was 31, 32, at 29 is when I recognized I had depression and anxiety. I was going to therapy. Around 31, 32, I recognized I had a very toxic marriage that I needed to leave. So all of this was triggered because I was so close to turning 33 that I was thinking to myself, that's the age Jesus Christ died. And look at everything he accomplished in his lifetime at 33 years old. What have I done with my life? <laughs> my friends will laugh and be like, are you seriously comparing your life with Jesus Christ? And I'm like, but the dude did so much. <laughs> In 33 years, what have I done? And anyways, with the human design, it just, the specific characteristics for me is this first 30 years of my life were meant to be a lot of trial and error, a lot of failures, a lot of learn what you don't want. And I'm like, boy, did I ace that test. I really did well with that one. <laughs> but the feeling that I get is even though through all of your journeys and the stories that have come up today, it wasn't the depression or the anxiety you learned from those experiences or your burnout, if you happen to have a burnout experience. Those were not the things that ultimately led to the transition where you're doing the career that you love, where you're showing up in your genius. They were part of the journey. They had to be part of the journey, right? It's like the only way to appreciate light is to have walks through darkness. When I was going through it, it was awful. It sucked. It was, you know, recognizing at 29, again, coming from South America, I'm depressed. I suffer from general anxiety. Mental health was not something that you spoke about. Unless you had a very specific diagnosis. And for me, it was just the pattern of what is wrong with me. There was so much shame that I experienced when I sat across from the therapist and, he, and she told me, you know, I think you're struggling a little bit with depression. I think, um, you know, I, actually, my ex-husband recognized that I was starting to like be, I'm a very joyful, happy person. And I was just dark. Like I was just, and I felt, and I told him one night, it's like, I feel I'm digging a hole and I'm digging myself into this really dark hole and I have no way to get out. And the more I tried to get out, the more I dig deeper. And he's, I think you're suffering from depression, so you should get some help. So I, I did some research and at that point, I am in a way blessed because my family does have some mental illnesses, a couple of aunts of mine, 
and one of them has schizophrenia or is diagnosed with schizophrenia and one of them is um, diagnosed with pretty much paralyzing depression, right? And their own medication. So at least I knew because of those experiences in the family that they really didn't talk about, but I knew the difference between going to a psychiatrist and going to a counselor or therapist or a psychologist. So I said to myself, I'm going to start here with a psychologist and see where it goes. And if they say, no, you really need to see a psychiatrist. Okay, then I'll take that other step. But for now, let me start here. So I was, in a way, I feel that I was blessed. But it was shame. Like shame just took over. It wasn't even guilt at this point. It was just pure, raw, awful shame that I was disappointing everyone in my life because something was wrong with me and I was depressed. And it took going through that experience for a year or two. It took allowing me to understand what the root cause of it was, right? Root cause analysis, <laughs> something that we engineers love to do. We love it's it. It's like, yep, wh where is this coming from? And the more I dig, the more I understood, the more of the pattern and see my family, the patterns in society, the patterns of expectations, the patterns of, again, with personality tests, how do I react to certain pressures and how do I react to certain situations that allow me to then be where I'm at now. But I can tell you right now in retrospect and say like, yeah, that was, this is what happened to me or this was my experience, but you know, I turn it around. But when you're going through it, that's why I get it. When they come to me, a lot of the women is just generalized anxiety mm -hmm. that they're taking so much. They want to be everywhere. They really want to be successful, but they've never answered that question for themselves. What does success look like for me? What does success look like for me? It's such a yeah. powerful question. It is. And I'm glad to see more and more conversations out there about it. I'm glad to see that mental health um, conversations are more publicly exposed that the struggles that we go through as women in STEM with potential sexual harassments in the workplace or microaggressions or all these different comments, that more women are having the courage to share it. So you don't feel like something's wrong with you because nothing's wrong with you. And you don't feel like you're alone and it's only happening to you because it's not. Unfortunately, it's the environment. And that's part of why I want to create this world where women can thrive because I've seen the other side also, not just from a personal level, but from an organization level. When you have conscious leaders, when you have women in that place where they are the decision makers, it completely changes the culture to be such a beautiful, harmonious place to work at. Mm. And we need more of that. So yeah, so I'm geeking out on all those things. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for the honesty, because I always feel like there's such power in not only sharing our successes, but also the darkness so that we know we're also not alone when we go through the darkness. Yeah. That, that those things that we're feeling are, are not they're not wrong they're right? not wrong and that yeah. we get through it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there is there is a, another side of it one of the things my therapist helped me recognize is that i've had a huge 
issue with the emotion of anger. Mm. I will immediately shut myself off and I will not allow myself to feel it. And that was another part of my process of the healing process of the journey was to learn how to sit with anger because as women were conditioned, you don't get angry, you don't yell, you don't scream, you're not emotional. That's behavior that's more masculine, that's more of the men. If you see two women fighting each other, it's like, what a disgrace and the labels and the judgment. And I'm not advocating for violence at all. I'm just saying, learn to sit with the discomfort of anger, of frustration, of guilt, of hatred, mm. because it's an emotion. And if you then go into your analytical brain and understand this is a 90 second chemical reaction that your brain is processing with labels and information from the past, then you start to recognize it's not that it's wrong or right. It's just there for you to show you something. Emotions are clues. And if you keep shutting it up, you're never going to get the clue. I always say my burnout was one of the worst things that happened to me, but also one of the best because I learned so much. I finally stopped and listened to all the clues that my body and that my mind were trying yeah. to give me so that yeah. I could make the transformation into a life that was truly aligned, calm, mm -hmm. really contenting, fulfilling, connected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, you know, it's the journey. You're not the only one that experienced it. I've experienced multiple burnouts. Just what you make out of it. Do you want to stay in victim mode? Why is this happening to me? Poor me. Or do you really want to Take the reins of your life and listen. And it takes courage because in my 20s and early 30s, I was totally okay with mopping and staying in my victim mode. And that's what I needed to process. There's nothing wrong with that. But at one point, I was like, what am I doing with my life? I'm wasting my life. I need something more. There's something bigger here. I literally hit a fork on the road where it's like, you're doing okay with what you're doing. You're having the beautiful house. You have the cars. You go on vacations. You have this beautiful facade. But you're dying inside. And now your body is bluntly telling you that I don't like where you're taking me. But if you keep going here, I will go with you and follow you along because we cannot detach ourselves and our brains and our souls from our body. That's just the way it is. But I'm just not gonna, I don't know for how long I can accompany you in this route. Yeah. Or you go through the, I, I, I picture a very scary, dark kind of entrance to a forest. But on the other side, you get to the top of the mountain where the light, where the beauty is, where you can see from the top of the mountain versus this quote-unquote beautiful road that you're on. It's slowly destroying your body. It's slowly taking from it, but you don't see it because it's like from behind, almost like sucking your energy versus this other one. It's scary at the beginning. Like you said, you were brave. Yes, and I had doubts and I cried and I still read 
wiring my brain to new patterns of you can enjoy life and not necessarily fit into the nine to five mold. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a transition. It's I left the organization that I worked for in May of 2021. And I'm still working on undoing those patterns because they're so ingrained in my mind that the mind goes there. So if you're in a world where you've achieved that optimal work-life blend, what does your ideal day look like? I don't go by an ideal day. I, I think okay. it varies because of what I need in the moment. Okay. So what I've structured my schedule to look like right now for, and, and I try to play around with my schedule through uh, quarters. So like I'll test it for three months. I'll take what works. I'll take what doesn't, et cetera. So right now, pretty much Wednesdays are my day to get out of the house. Either meet with someone, go somewhere, walk around, go hiking, go into nature, just get out of the house. Those are my Wednesdays. I noticed from last year that I'm very comfortable staying at home all the time. And it's just like so comfortable that to me is a warning sign. And it's like, you're missing out on something when you're this comfortable, right? And then usually Fridays afternoons, I'm just kind of disconnect from work and either read or do something that I enjoy. In terms of my day-to-day, I've set a semi-regular schedule. I have that podcast with Caroline. So typically on Tuesdays, I'm focusing on the marketing material that we need for take a break. Tuesday mornings, usually client calls, depending on where they're at. Thursdays is also either client calls or workshops. That's normally what I, when I try to schedule any workshops that I'm giving. It's usually on Thursdays, but it's some workshops are at lunch and learn. Some workshops are in the evening, depending on the organization that I'm working with. So that just varies. And yeah, and following my cycle, there are some days where it's like, okay, Mondays are to do the brain dump and organize what do I want to accomplish this week or what do I want to accomplish this month, the planning phase, uh, if I'm in that phase in my cycle, or it may be, let's get this done. Let's close this up because I'm getting close to my menstruation. And this is where I need to use that energy of culminating or finishing things up before I go into that rest. And yeah, that's usually how I, I structure it. It's not necessarily an ideal day. Okay. It's just uh, let myself be present and with the flow and listen. Um, yeah. Be on all the responsibilities of I have to cook breakfast, lunch, and dinner at home and help my dad when, you know, I'll call doctors or all those other things that fill up my schedule. Great. Thank you. Well, thank you for spending time with me today. I've enjoyed hearing your story and learning from your experiences. And if there is one thing that someone in the audience would take away from t- today's conversation, what would it be? I think that your biggest cheerleader is within you. Just let her or him or it come out and listen to it. Yeah, it's within you. All, all the answers, everything is within you. And uh, you're not alone. And if you need help, ask for it. It takes courage to ask for help. 
Yes. Intrigued or inspired by today's episode, but forgot the details? Don't worry, I've got you covered. Visit engineeringserenity.com for a complete summary of today's episode, including timestamps, links, and other resources for your adventure. Wishing you strength and serenity, Evelyn out.